Happy Monday. Welcome to the Sneak Preview. I'm Connor Zagari. I'm Caleb Blizzard. And today we've got quite a few films to discuss. From Shudder, the new original film, They Live in the Gray. From theaters, the werewolf flick, The Cursed, and the video game adaptation, Uncharted. And from Netflix, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So it's a smorgasbord of odd shit today. But first, let's see what happened last week in film. Last week in film. Got four trailers to start with. First up, the first look at Jordan Peele's new horror flick, Nope, which stars Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, and Steven Yen, among others. It's theaters July 22nd. I like how cryptic they're being about this. Uh, I've heard rumors that Nope is an acronym that stands for Not of Planet Earth. Interesting. Yeah, it's probably reaching, but this is definitely something to do with aliens, which is cool. Awesome. If the trailer like gave one little hint for us to latch onto, is that it's definitely something aliens, whether it's traditional alien film or pills take on aliens, whatever, like something extraterrestrial is happening in this film. Yes. Um, with that said, like I have um, been a big fan of Pills um, stuff. I've so far been good about seeing everything he's produced TV wise. Um, and his directed films um you know i love to get out i i know you had you and also kind of had your issues with us and i i totally get that i'm not i i, I really do um i personally really liked it i was on board even when it got to the uh the part i feel like it's when you guys probably fell off towards the end with the explanation yeah not gonna lie yeah i i say cause that's when a lot of people kind of became here they were on board or they weren't so it's not just like you guys that's just when a lot of people went two different ways with the film so me personally i was on board i was cool with it so i i, I did enjoy it um so in this one yeah I'm, I'm excited i think pill really is like one of the most exciting new voices in horror um and i never thought like the guy from key and pill would be like a fucking horror master in my opinion at this point so i can't wait for that that trailer really fucking sold me i remember when josh texted us in the group chat i was going to bed so i didn't see it that morning when I woke up, I woke up to the text. I was like, oh, and like immediately put it on the TV. And it was like the first thing I watched start my day was that trailer. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I think it's time to revisit us. I mean, that was the fourth episode of the Filmgasm podcast. That was a long time ago. So I, I think it's worth checking out again. I probably will. I'll double feature Get Out and Us before I see Nope, just to have his work in my head fresh. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be cool. Uh, loving creative horror, you know. I love alien shit, so I think this is going to be a a neat one. Yeah, yeah, it's it's gonna be cool. I mean, it's Jordan Pill with aliens, and some of the footage that they showed quickly, like I think the one that stuff from was when the guy standing there, and you see the head of something coming around that corner. I was like, oh my god, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, you know, everyone said M Night Shyamalan was going to be the next Hitchcock. No one expected the Gremlins two guy from. Ian Peel. <laughs> I love that sketch. It's in the movie. It's in the movie. Hulk Hogan? Sure, it's in the movie. <laughs> That's a good one. I think the dubstep move always cracks me up. That's great. That's great. Yeah, that's that's a funny-ass show. And I'm so glad that he's, like, I mean, he won an Oscar for screenplay right out the gate. I think that gave him big credibility. And, uh, the work speaks for itself. And yeah, the fact that, you know, the, the, 
the attention generating around this with so little known, that's that speaks volumes. So I'm I'm pumped for this. Yeah, the fact that he dropped it before the Super Bowl, he was like, you know what? Don't wait for the Super Bowl. Here it is. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, because I am not a sports person. I don't watch Super Bowl. Not for the commercials. I just wait for the shit to pop up on YouTube. Same with the halftime show. Just so I haven't watched it. I've heard all about it. Um, so for me, I was like, oh fuck yeah! Oh, I don't have to wait for Super Bowl. I can just watch it right now. Nice. Oh yeah. Next up, Deep Water a psychological thriller starring Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas that has been sitting on Disney's shelf for years now, ever since they acquired it in their purchase of 20th Century Fox. Now it's finally being released on Hulu on March 18th. And we got a brief little teaser with this. Um, it's being directed by Adrian Lin, who did Fatal Attraction, kind of the master of uh, relationships going really south. So uh, I don't know, maybe. There, there's a lot of talent attached to this but the thing is this trailer didn't hook me and yeah. i was kind of laughing when you said disney sat on this because it's like this is a not anything like a disney film but again they have that arm now yeah that they can kind of like remain a vista back in the day they can release stuff that isn't technically disney um coded uh but yeah when i saw i saw this because look it it's more so fun of the armist i want to see this one than ben affleck you I don't hate Ben Affleck, but he's made some kind of douchey comments. I'm like, okay, dude. Dude, he is poison when he's with Jennifer Lopez. Like, she she, she turns him into an asshole. Yeah, it, <laughs> and it's like he does... It's, ah, I'm not going to get into it, but yeah, he made some, like... Re- he's made some really douchey comments from him, like... Where it's like he's blamed everyone but himself for his alcoholism. Yeah. Including his wife and kids, and it's like, all right, dude, like... That's that's not cool, man. You can blame um, your wife and kids. You can blame your friends, but you blame Batman, and we're gonna have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you blame Batman, playing the role of Batman. Yeah. I even like, and what's funny is I wasn't even like, oh, it's just a bad mental place because the role was like he just hated to shoot that much, and I'm like, fuck, man, the fuck up, man. I went on an 11 month no port call fucking deployment, and you don't see me going through the bottom of your fucking day. You got paid $20, $30 million to be, like, Batman, and you're going to bitch? Like, yeah, like, like, I, sorry, I don't have sympathy for over for overpaid actors on a bad set when I did the deployment I did for 11 months, and I'm fucking perfectly adjusted after, so, like, yeah. fuck off. Don't be a crybaby. Um, <laughs> with that said... Most of this is because of Arnie Hours. One, because I think she's a very talented actress. And two, because, like, straight up, she's hot. Like, she's fucking hot. Um, well, this is the film where they hooked up. and uh, Yeah, which she could do better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying me by any means. I know I have no shot, but she could do better in Hollywood. I'll say uh, it. I'll say it. You're, you're better than Ben Affleck. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this trailer can be it didn't hook me like you know this is a guy like you said he directed fatal attraction it's considered like the film when it comes to relation like toxic relationship and things like that on both sides you know i know it's been getting kind of like reevaluated and look re-looked at in that regard um but it's like you would think with that this surely would fucking blow me make, me make me go like this is why he's back and so i just went i nope it's like they're talking and it looks like they're fucking mutual masturbating or something. Like, I can't fucking tell in the trailer. They just start breathing real heavy. Like, they are, like, you know, touching each other and then they're, like, talking real heavy. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? 
this feels a lot like Gone Girl. Like, that's why Ben Affleck got cast, because he's done this before. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. He can play, you know, spouse who doesn't really give a shit and is, you know, prime suspect. He, he can do that. But, you know, and again, I don't really know what this is going to be about because they're not really giving us any information. They're kind of being, you know, they're teasing us with a movie that we don't really want to see that much. So it's, I don't think it's a good move. No, it, I can't tell if they're trying to really build up the anticipation or if this is literally like a dump for them. It's just like, yeah, just get it out there. That, with Disney, it's like when they bought Fox, they got so much that they don't know what to do with. And they've just, they're figuring it out as it goes along, you know, a little bit to Hulu, a little bit to 20th Century Studios. If it's a little for kids, we'll throw it on Disney Plus. Like they're having to figure that out. And yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they get lucky. Like they, I'm sure, because I'm sure they watch them and stuff going, what the fuck are we going to do with this one? I'm, and then, but sometimes they get lucky and they get like ready or not. They're like, yeah, just the actual release set. It's fine. That's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious that you assume the Disney suits are watching any of these. Someone in Disney is paid to sit through these fucking films. There is someone paid to sit through these films. I'm not saying Disney executives. Some yep. lonely man on the tone pole was paid fucking money to sit through these goddamn films. Yep. And that shithead's making his assistant do it. Probably. <laughs> oh, boy. The next movie I am excited about. The first trailer for Baz Luhrmann's upcoming biopic, Elvis, starring Austin Butler and Tom Hanks. This chronicle of the life of Elvis Presley hits theaters June 24th. And I was not expecting a full-blown trailer. Uh, I, I've heard, like, first look. But this is Elvis's whole life. We're getting the story of the, the king. And I could not be more psyched. I'm glad you're psyched. You just saw the name Baz Luhrmann and you shut down immediately, didn't you? Pretty much. I did watch the trailer, but the thing is, I have watched actually a decent chunk of Baz Luhrmann and he is so hit and goddamn mess with me that I, I just... I agree with you. I agree with you that Baz Luhrmann is an acquired taste and you you just, you know, it's... Yeah, I understand that. But Elvis with the guy who played Tex Watson and Tom fucking Hanks. How do you not get behind that? Because I'm not the hugest Elvis fan. I understand wow. Elvis's legacy and role to rock and roll and what he's his um him being an American icon. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm the biggest Elvis fan though. <sighs> All right. And like well, I said, I'll give Baz Luhrmann this. I prefer his great Gatsby over the original because it's at least more entertaining to sit through. <laughs> I don't think the Great Gatsby is the most well-written story. It's not an American classic as far as I'm concerned. I'm saying it right now. Yeah, it's one of those rich people problem situations. And you know I don't give a fuck about rich people problem stories. Yeah, it's rich people in love problem. And I'm just like, okay, don't care. Yeah, you got a war profiteer and a whore and an asshole. And then Tobey Maguire. Like, it's just, I don't, I don't need it. I saw it once. I read the book. I'm good. But I, I just really... I've been waiting for a good Elvis biopic. I've seen, you know, Elvis and Nixon and fucking Bubba Hotep, but I want to see like Elvis's story. And it looks like Austin Butler's actually going to sing, which is cool. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm on board. Uh, but I, you know, I get, if you're not a Baz Luhrmann fan, I get it, but I don't think he's going to be that weird with it. This isn't Moulin Rouge. This is Elvis. I hope, like I said, it's, it's, it's nothing against like, 
I mean, it makes sense that the king, if you will, would finally get, you know, his biopic. It's just Baz Luhrmann, like, there'll be a movie where I'm like, oh, this was a really good movie. And then there's no one I'm watching where I'm just like, nope, not this one. And <laughs> and he did Romeo and Juliet, right? He did a version of that with Leo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I sat through that and I fucking hated that version so much. I hated sitting through that movie. But is that is that Baz Luhrmann's fault or is that just your hatred of Shakespeare? It's both of Shakespeare and Baz Luhrmann. It's both their fault. Because I hated how he, what he, his like bringing all the fucking old timey talking to a modern setting. It just didn't work for me. And I was like, all right, I don't care about this. <laughs> all right. I guess I'm doing Elvis alone. Um, finally, the new trailer for Marvel's Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which hits theaters on May 6th. The most recent trailer dropped the bombshell that Patrick Stewart will be returning to the role of Charles Xavier, meaning this film is likely reintroducing some or all of the X-Men into the MCU. Uh, Holy shit. What made me more excited is the fact that if they're willing to just straight up tell us Professor X is in the movie, what are they keeping from us? (laughs) Yeah, that's the big thing. Like they're pretty being pretty open. They're saying like, yeah, he's in this movie. What are you hiding? Like, were you able to court, you know, Hugh Jackman for a quick cameo? Were you, you know, I know the big rumors like Ryan Reynolds is supposed to be coming in as like Deadpool, which that one really surprised me, if I'm being honest. Um, and then, like, the other one I saw was like, for some reason, fans have this crazy idea that like Nander Radcliffe's going to pop up as, you know, a version of Wolverine, a multiverse Wolverine. I'm like, all right. That's why I say, like, the trailer itself, like, before I get, did look really good. I'm really, really excited for this new one. I like that it looks like they are giving Sam Raimi some free reign on horror elements because there's definitely a lot of horror like elements in this trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing, and this has nothing to do with the movie, I am not looking forward because this movie comes out in May, right? And it's yeah. only February still. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to the fans and the internet and the constant fucking rumors I'm going to have to fucking accidentally see for like the next three. Yeah, three, four months. It's just rumors. Nothing's yeah. you know, set in stone. Like, like I said, that's not the trailer. That's not MCU. Or anything. I'm saying like I'm not looking forward to fans not shutting the fuck up. Much like kind of like with Spider-Man No Way Home when it was coming out. Yeah. Like, I get the excitement, guys. I do. But holy shit, just let the movie come out. And then we can all find out together. Yeah, I agree. It does get out of hand real fast and fan expectations rise. I mean, Spider-Man No Way Home, they happen to be right. But what if they're wrong? And then they are pissed because they got they hype themselves up and the movie doesn't live up to their ideal vision. And they all of a sudden think the movie's bad, even though it's not bad. You're just your expectations were too goddamn high. So it that's the situation I'm worried about. Yeah. Scream 2022 people just saying, uh, if you don't get that, watch the movie and then come back to me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's why like, I remember for Spider-Man No Way Home, I really just, I didn't give any fucking rumors. Even when they were constantly reporting about Tony McGuire and Andrew Garfield, which did turn out to be right. I still give it no thought. I'm like, no, I'm not going to sit there and give it any thought. I'm not going to sit there and fucking get excited. Something that may not even fucking happen. So like, I literally went in there like with no, no folks giving about what people were pulling out, rumor-wise and stuff like that. I said, no, I just want to care about whatever the movie is you give me, all I care about. And I worked out very happy because I kept my fucking expectations check. I just don't like that I have to now go through this process again. 
Well, <laughs> dude, movies going forward are going to be like this. Fans are starting to dictate, you know, fucking scripture now. And uh, I don't know if that's that's probably not a good thing. But no, I, I will <laughs> say I am glad that like the next uh, multiverse heavy, heavy film for Marvel isn't until 2023 now with uh, I think Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium. I'm really glad that's that's like the next heavy multiverse film because we get a break as far as like the fa- as far as like multiverse fan theories again i don't know what the plan is going between ant-man and you know dark strange with their films and tv shows that are still planning to come out around that time but i also know it's not supposed as of now it's not multiverse heavy storylines with that stuff coming out dude it doesn't even need to be multiverse i mean look at the the fervor on hawkeye when everyone was like oh it's obviously going to be kingpin when's kingpin going to come up is kingpin going to be in this one that guy's wearing a white suit is that kingpin like they were right but still slow the fuck down with moon Knight, yeah. it's going to be like norman reedus better be ghost rider is that blade he's got a black suit on I'm about to say, it's going to be blade and ghost rider for like six fucking weeks and this ghost rider thing's already fucking started because i saw that rumor about fans pulling all this shit saying oh look norman reedus is ghost rider they said yeah. they announced it yet i'm like <sighs> I'm like, look, I like I said, I get I get the excitement. Okay, I'm not I'm not trying to shit on people's like you know parade here, but like fuck me, guys, like calm down. Just enjoy what they give us. And if they are if they do pop up, be excited. You know, have that theater experience I have at Spider-Man by all means. If not, don't worry about it. Just go in and enjoy what they give you. You know, in 1980, when people saw the Empire Strikes Back. All they had going for it was they're making another Star Wars. That's all they had. Nobody was like, you know, oh, right here, this proves Darth Vader is Luke's father. Right here. You see that? Like, he turned to the left that one time. Like, none of that shit existed. Everyone just got to experience that big twist together. And I wish we could go back to that, but the only way to do that is to destroy the internet. Yeah. (laughs) So. What makes it worse, right, is that then you Okay, so this is all a pre-film comes out. So film comes out, it's let's say it's a big hit. It's a Marvel film, it's Doctor Strange. I have no doubt in my mind it's gonna be a good film, that's a big hit. Um, it comes out, then there's the post. There's the part where you have them now, everyone gets their shit confirmed, they know exactly what's happening now, and you have to then be careful still, still gotta be careful for like we're gonna say for an MCU film a month or two, usually just a couple of weeks, but for an MCU film like this, a month or two. Because then these assholes get online and post as if they have to validate to the ward how fucking right or wrong or whatever they were. Dude, I was worried. as I had to see Spider-Man No Way Home uh, the day after the release uh, because I had a, you know, I was coming back from L.A. And I spent the whole day just like quietly in my phone, in my room with my phone off. I didn't look at shit just in case something found its way into my life. And I, I was so happy I did that because I got to experience the whole film, you know, for the first time and be excited and, you know, amazed. But there are people who have to, you know, fucking dodge landmines all the time because they can't see it for like a couple of weeks. And I, I feel bad for those people. Yeah, even um, not not even only a big MCU skill, right? But like a film we'll be talking about tonight on a smaller horror skill, I didn't see the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre till like, Seven, eight o'clock at night. Like, I went to the movies, go see one thing. I watched a starter film. So, by the time I got to it, it was late. Like, I watched it late. And even then, anytime you're on Facebook, like I said, I'm on a bunch of horror groups, it was just 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre this, Texas Chainsaw Massacre that, blah, 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 blah. Texas, oh, I got on Netflix and watched it. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. It just came out. <laughs> like, some of us have not had a chance, even on a day off, because I have a four-day weekend, to watch it yet. I've been doing other shit. Calm down. I would like to watch it with fresh fucking eyes. At least with this show, we do give the weekend. We've got a three-day buffer. You give you give you some time to see it. We don't put spoilers in the thumbnail or in the description. We put it in the show. So if you're going to get it spoiled for you, it, that's your fault that you clicked on that before you saw the movie and you listened to us talk about it. So I feel no guilt whatsoever in this show because we're doing it the right way. Yeah. <laughs> Just wanted to point that out because it was starting to sound a little hypocritical. <laughs> oh, no, we're not hypocritical. And if anything, uh, I'll double down. I, I know how I am. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So that's all for trailers. Um, Paramount has announced sequels to A Quiet Place and Sonic the Hedgehog. Quiet Place 3 is set for 2025, which seems a while. And Sonic the Hedgehog 3 is set for 2024. It seems a while, but then you seem to count that they have that whatever the next one is, that's not three, but it's a quiet place film. Yeah. I think that's scheduled for like 2023. Yeah. So yeah, it's a while, but there's no one coming out in between that time period anyway. A silent location or something. I don't know. <laughs> whatever they want to call the spinoff, whatever. Um, yeah. Who's, I mean, who's getting spun off? Everyone's dead. Who's getting spun off? I didn't. I just want the third one. If I'm being honest, I just want the trilogy closer that they keep talking about. Like, just give me that. I don't need a spinoff. Like, <laughs> Look, I've made my crush Emily Blunt quite known. I just want the third one that she's going to be in. That's all I want. Now, that said, Paramount in general came out swinging hard that day. Like, I know we just worry about movies here, but, like, dear Lord. I guess they had, like, an Investor's Day or whatever because they, like, Halo got renewed for season two already. Um, Like, they talked about the Seth Rogen-produced Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that's coming out. On all the uh, fucking spinoff movies they're doing with that, like they came out fucking swinging. They mentioned the Star Trek uh, movie. Again. Oh, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to the Star Trek movie. Okay. okay, I was like, yeah, they they fucking came out swinging like hard that day with everything they're doing. Like it was ridiculous. Um, well, I think Paramount had to regain some cred because they've been on the on the pushback train for so long now. They needed to remind people that they're still they're still trying. <laughs> yeah, well, you, one could argue I think they've handled the whole like pandemic and release of their films probably the worst of the studios. Um, yeah. and that's that's probably yeah why they did this to show like no hey we're on the comeback see like we have so much confidence in the Halo show which I'm totally going to check out because it does look good. They gave it a season two and we you know Sonic Three is coming out and a Knuckles spinoff TV show and we got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Seth Rogen's doing like a lot you know. Um, as far as the ones you mentioned. That I totally mind blanked on because they announced so much stuff. Which ones are we talking about right now? Sonic. <laughs> Sonic in a quiet place. There you go. Uh, I did really like the first Sonic. I am looking forward to Sonic 2. Um, if it's any good, obviously I'll be excited for 3, but I kind of have to see 2 if I get excited for 3. Um, hopefully this is a level of confidence in that sequel. Um, and again, like I said with the quiet place, I am more excited for 3 than I am for the spinoff. Um, yeah, I know, like, obviously, technically, there's a buffer with that release date because it seems so far away. But I've heard Cry Place 3 just come out sooner and I get that instead. So, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen Sonic. I watched the first Sonic when we inevitably talk about part two on this show in the next couple months. 
Uh, but until then, I, I know nothing. I know blue I thing I'm goes fast and there's rings involved. I think you'll like it, honestly. It's, it's a very fun movie. Okay. I like Jim Carrey a lot. So he's the biggest he's, selling point he, for me. He's really, really, like, it felt like a Jim Carrey, like, return to form That's good. for That's me. Good. Like I, I really enjoy. It. I'm looking forward to him hopefully getting even more to do in this in the sequel. And Idris Elba as Knuckles, holy shit! Like hell yeah. Um, this uh, I don't. I know you don't want to talk about this, but I have to mention it. Uh, comedians Regina Hall, Amy Schumer, and Wanda Sykes have been tapped to host this year's Academy Awards. And I got to say, the fuck? <laughs> Why? Why? Did you pick Amy Schumer? Are you kidding me? I thought she was like done pretty much. I fucking despise her. And now she's going to shit on my Oscars. And this is just already, I'm like, no, I asked for so little from the Academy. (laughs) I asked for so little. And they're doing this to me. One of their last 15 viewers, like just give me a hostless streamlined show. Now it's going to be corny and stupid and uncomfortable and I got to, you know, be on my phone through all these stupid ass jokes until I get to see who won cinematography. Sorry. I'm just really pissed about this. Well, Ugh. you're not going to name someone like Ricky Gervais because he pisses them off every year. I wanted nobody. We've had no host for the past three shows and it's been fine. It's, it's worked great. It's been my favorite Oscars because I haven't had to deal with this dumb shit. Ugh. It was supposed to be Steve Martin, Martin Short and Selena Gomez from that show on Hulu. But they started from season sure, two. Yeah. I've heard that show's really good. Well, they were unavailable. So I guess this is their backup plan. Well, they're unavailable because, you know, they're busy filming a show. <laughs> Tells me, like, they're not busy. Wonder why. <laughs> oh. All right. Rant over. Let's move on. Uh, DC has a Wonder Twins film in the works. The alien siblings Zan and Jaina first appeared in the Super Friends cartoon that ran from 1973 to 1985. Adam Sitikel, who wrote the script for the upcoming Black Adam movie, is going to write and direct The Wonder Twins. So DC is starting to get experimental after Peacemaker was such a hit. And I'm excited about that. Especially, uh, speaking of experiments, have you seen the season finale yet? Yes, I have. Holy fuck. I, say, did you, I was surprised that DC allowed that cameo to happen. Well, I was surprised that Marvel, apparently, is the one who helped them set it up. No way. Marvel helped uh, secure the filming, because I guess they owed James Gunn a solid for Guardians of the Galaxy 1, 2, and 3. They're like, yeah, we'll help you out, because you helped us out so much. Something like that. Holy shit. Yeah. Even the coolest moment... Marvel had their hands in it. Yep. When you want to set up, when you want to set up a revolutionary comic book cameo, regardless of what studio it is, you call the people who do it best. It's like a like DC felt that slap, just like oh man. You know, if you think about like I, I thought about this earlier today, if James Gunn had never done those stupid ass tweets and Disney hadn't momentarily fired him. We never would have gotten the Suicide Squad. We never would have gotten Peacemaker. And DC would never have had that hit and would never have been inspired to be so risky in the future. Yeah, it kind of worked out. Unreal. I did like that uh, in that cameo. They they obviously, I I figured they weren't going to get Gal Gadot to do Wonder Woman. So that made sense. I was like, yeah, I got, I figured. And um, I was kind of hoping maybe they could have courted Henry Cavill 
for that Superman cameo, but I don't know how tied up with the richer he ever he ever is. Um, but the fact that they got Jason Momoa, and I even pointed out, Josh was like, he got to say fuck. I was like, he got a curse. I love that with the whole like fish thing. He's like, I'm really tired of that fucking rumor. And then I'll give Ezra Miller credit. I laughed on that joke when he was like, eh, it's not a rumor if it's true. Fuck you, Barry. Yeah, fuck you, Barry. <laughs> I love, well, I think DC was on board because they got an Aquaman movie coming out. They got a Flash movie coming out. So they want people to have them fresh, I guess. Yeah. But I love the, I love the, the non cameo of Batman. And I realize it's because there's no way he could get there that fast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're all super fast in their own way. Batman has to walk. So he, he, he didn't get there fast enough. I'm sure he I did get there eventually, but. Not, I, not watch, I was like the post credit scene for that week. Was Batman <laughs> sure. <laughs> like Michael Keaton or fucking Ben Affleck. It's like he's looking at his watch like they said they said it was right here. What? A- <laughs> I did like you, Clark. (laughs) I did like, yeah, I did like when Peacemaker they pop up and Peacemaker like, way to come fucking late again, guys. You're late, you fucking dickheads. Like to say that to the Justice League. I I love this guy. (laughs) I can't wait for season two. This has become one of my favorite shows. Oh yeah, it's it's honestly like hands down becoming my favorite DC show. Like. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be really, and I'm saying this as someone who has enjoyed um, the stuff they take it from uh, DC Universe Online or whatever it was called, mm-hmm. and put it on the max, like uh, Doom Patrol, Titans, and Harley Quinn. I've really enjoyed those three shows, but this is probably my favorite. Yeah, me too. Uh, granted, I still have to watch all that stuff. Yeah. I'm also, you might you might have to, because I don't know, I think, I don't know if they're making it, how canon they're making it now, but I do recommend Doom Patrol and Harley Quinn. I, I did watch I did watch Harley Quinn. I really like that. Yeah, but Harley- Titans and Doom Patrol, I still have to watch. Okay. I recommend if you like Harley Quinn and Peacemaker, Doom Patrol would be next. It's right up your alley. Um, yeah, Wonder Twins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, yeah. Get Experimental DC. Fuck it. As long as you're not doing the, oh, shit, this didn't do good. Let's hurry up, Claimer, and refigure the plan. I'm good. It sounds like you, they're sticking <laughs> to their plan of, hey, HBO Max is where we can experiment and kind of have some fun. And then, you know, the safe bets that we can spend more money on theater releases, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I say fuck it. Play around. Have fun. Let's see what let we the, do with the ones. Let the plan die. Keep whatever you want to be connected, connected. But don't try to make everything work because you clearly can't. Just do your own thing, you know. Let Peacemaker and the DCEU be its own thing over here. But then keep branching out, you know. Do your Crisis on Infinite Earth shit down the road and multiverse the fuck out of Marvel. <laughs> yeah, like honestly, the way they're doing it now, I enjoy it. It's not like you have to watch the prior films and enjoy this or everything. But obviously, if you have kind of stuck through since essentially, I guess Man is still technically in this continuity, they're, they have been finding ways to reward you for it. But the fact that it's not so reliant, like there's going to be a team up film, blah, blah, blah. Like I'm enjoying, like I said, I like the idea of them saying, like, let's say things like, when I say safer, but you know, like things like The Flash and Wonder Woman 3 and Aquaman 2, and that will be a theatrical release. But on HBO Max, we can do things like Batgore and Wonder Twins. And I think they were going to do Sack Shock, but I think that got bumped to a theater release or something like that. Yeah. Um, there's one more. So there was a third one I'm forgetting that they're supposed to be doing. But just the fact that they're having that, doing that instead, I've enjoyed a lot more. Same. 
Uh, Netflix is developing a film based on the video game Bioshock. You ever play that? Not yet. I actually have the collection for my Switch, so I own all of the games. I just haven't had a chance to play them. Nice. Uh, I played a good chunk of Bioshock Infinite, and I was pretty goddamn lost, so I I just stopped. Um, I'm sure this will be fine. I mean, we seem to be in the heyday of video game movies. So. Yeah, and, and it's Netflix, and they're proving they they I would argue they're the ones that really kind of kickstarted this uh, currently because you know things like Castlevania and um, whatnot were coming out kind of saying like this is how you do it. So like the fact that they're the ones doing it, like how I'm down. Um, I will always, you know, be sad at the fact that we never got the R-rated Gold Verbinski. Uh, film that was to be or when Del Toro was attached to this at one point like some pretty kick ass names attached to this at one point but yeah. because they were all adamant about it being rated R and Sue kind of being iffy on that it never yeah. happened. Why would you turn an M rated game into an R rated movie? That makes no sense. Yeah right. It's obviously going to be a G rated movie. Oh. Um, but yeah having it be on Netflix and as I've stated, I'm, I'm, I think a week or two ago on the show, you know, it looks like 2022, Netflix is stepping up their game. They're trying to show that they finally do believe in quality <laughs> over quantity, or at least they're finding a middle ground um, based off, you know, one of the films we'll be talking about tonight, you know, with the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre and what they kind of preview coming out. And now this, I'm having more hope for these Netflix films. So I'm, I'm down to see what they do with a Bioshock movie. Yeah, maybe this will finally inspire me to give this weird-ass game a shot. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I own them, so maybe I'll finally <laughs> sit down and play them if I have time. Next up, Jack Quaid has joined the cast of Oppenheimer, uh, Christopher Nolan's new movie. shaping up to be quite the incredible cast. Jack Quaid, of course, plays Huey on The Boys, recently appeared in the new Scream movie. His stock is rising pretty high, and uh, this is a great get for him. So good for Jack. Yeah, it's really making me angry with my feelings on Nolan and the cast he's assembling for this movie. Hate the man, love the work. We've been through this. I know. This one's just hard because those fucking demands he made. It's like, God, I don't want to give you my money. I want to see the movie. I still want to give you my money at the theater. And what, give if that you, satisfaction. What, what if you use like a coupon? Like, like a BOGO? <laughs> Maybe. I'm a movie club member. <laughs> there you go. Get it rounded that way. I get a free ticket every month. I can save the free ticket for then, and then he doesn't get my money. There you go. Loophole. <laughs> you can see it, a, it. He doesn't get dick from you. No, because it was a free movie ticket for the month. <laughs> Fuck you, Nolan. <laughs> oh, I'm honest. Personally, I can't wait for this, but I totally get the it. The cast is still I, I can't deny that. <laughs> um. The long-awaited fourth Star Trek film is apparently finally happening, with the entire cast returning to their respective roles, with the exception of Anton Yelchin, who tragically passed away in 2016. J.J. Abrams is involved, says Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Zoe Saldana, Carl Urban, John Cho, and Simon Pegg are all returning. Uh, Of course, they have yet to finalize those contracts, so this may be a little early to announce, but it's been announced. I'll say the contracts aren't finalized, folks. So don't get too excited. I don't know why in the fuck they announced that. Like, I, I know we just talked about, like, they're, I guess, trying to get like goodwill back. But to announce a movie 
And let's just be honest. I know the reason we've had to wait so long for this fourth Star Trek is because Beyond didn't do as much as the second film. It yeah. made less money, which showed that the audience reception was waning. So True. it's like, from off the bat, we've already. That's why we've had to wait so long. True, and but lately, Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard was, have reinvigorated was, interest. So I was getting to this. Uh, sorry, that my, a little bit. My apologies. <laughs> wow, sorry to sorry to step on your on your thunder there. <laughs> As I was saying, I session rain on that one. With that said, yes, Paramount, you know, they're trying to get that goodwill back. They have created quite a home for Star Trek on Paramount Plus and Discovery, Picard, the upcoming Strange New Worlds is supposed to be coming out this year. Um, that's actually going back to the original timeline um, of the very first show. Um, Anson Mount is playing uh, Captain Pike. Yeah. Um, cool. And the even the con they made adult comedy Star Trek Lower Decks, you know, that's that's been really kind of getting people on board for that. What I'm worried about is that they're on board for the Paramount Plus shows, yes, because that stuff's going strong. Hopefully that reinvigorates someone want to go see a fourth film. Because personally, like I really like Beyond. I don't know why people like didn't seem to not like that one as much. I thought Beyond was really good. Um I'm hoping that translates to this next movie. I do think it's even with the success of the TV shows, because of that reception, like it's really weird that they were just announced this as it's for sure happening and then turn around and say, like, yeah, but the actors' contracts aren't finalized. Because all these actors are busy now. Like they're not like they were when they first did Star Trek. Like they're all well-known names. I mean, for Christ's sakes, Zoe Sadana isn't is a Marvel actor. Chris Pine's stock rose significantly after Star Trek, and he's in a lot of shit. Like yeah. Carl Urban stars in like Amazon's biggest show right now. Yeah, he's in the boys. He's the main character. Like he's one of the main characters. Like why you would announce this when their shit's not finalized, and then say you're hoping the plan to start shooting later this year? I'm like, this how are you worry about getting the actors first? This is intense pressure. To just be like, hey, it's happening, so y'all better get on board. Like, this makes the actors look like the bad guys if they say no. Yeah, and if anything, I feel like that's just going back for us. I'm like, well, fuck you. We can't say no because we have all this other shit we can fall back on. <laughs> Who did? This was such a stupid idea. I, I, I hope it works out. I hope they're more along in negotiations than it's making it seem like they are. <laughs> but from what we're getting, this seems like somebody, like, made a very dangerous preemptive strike yeah it, it, it came off like they were trumping the gun because they got so excited about all the other announcements they were making that are for sure happening that they went oh yeah star trek 4 uh-huh it's actually happening and i'm like why and i think for me i i feel the worst for the director of this project they're coming off of falcon and the winter soldier mm. so it's like they literally like that did so well that they got recognized and got picked to do this new star trek and it's like, are you like, why are you doing that to this poor guy or girl? I don't quite know. I don't, I don't remember the name, so I can't really. Is Mark, is Mark something? So I'm pretty sure it's a guy. Okay. Yeah, it's a guy. But like, why would you do that to him? Like, well, hey, I mean, man, we're going to watch your movie, and even though you don't have your actors yet. Well, also, like, 
Noah Hawley's Star Trek was a sure thing. Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek was a sure thing. Every Star Trek movie they announced is a sure thing. So how true is this? Yeah. And that's my, and like I said, kind of go back to the TV shows you stole my thunder on, no big deal. Um, You have a hit there. Like, do you don't need another movie? Like, quite honestly, Paramount, you don't need another movie. Like, the shows are doing fine. Like, Discovery is going strong. It got renewed. Like, all the shows got renewed for a new season. You have a new one coming out this year. Like, you're going to be fine if this movie doesn't come out. Like, there's plenty of Star Trek on Paramount+. Plus. If anything, the hope, like, boosts your reason to get Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, true. And, you know, take it with a grain of salt, because they announce a new Star Trek movie every couple of years. Well, yeah. they've been announcing Star Trek 4 every couple of years, specifically. They are <laughs> not, they have yet to even attempt to just go, like, no one sat there going, like, you know what? How about we just do what Star Trek does best? A new, new cast and a new storyline. But no, they've been stuck on like we have to do Star Trek full. We have to get this cast back, Mike. I mean, honestly, Beyond had a good finale for this crew. I'm okay with no, with not. You know, I don't think we need a fourth with these guys, and I don't think they want to do it. So maybe just move on. I'm okay. Again, I really liked Beyond. I thought I'm like you. I thought it had a, a good ending. I'm okay if Beyond's the last one with this crew. Yeah. Oh well. Let's finalize this section with some sad news, as always. Uh, iconic director Ivan Reitman has passed away at 75. Reitman was nominated for one Oscar in his career, Best Picture for Up in the Air, which he co-produced in 2009. Reitman was the director of some of the most iconic comedies of all time, including Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, Stripes, Meatballs, Junior, Dave, Evolution, Twins, and Kindergarten Cop. He will be missed. This hit hard. I did not expect this. I feel like we're losing a lot of legends really fast this year. I feel like every week we're, do, we're reporting on another death. And uh, Ivan Reitman was just like, really? Like right after Ghostbusters was such a hit, we lose Ivan? God damn it. I think that's why I felt like it wasn't expected for a lot of people because everyone was so like fr- fresh with that uh, joy of Ghostbusters since the afterlife. Yeah. That like if this happened, I was like, well, shit. Uh, and apparently he was working on uh, the twin sequel with Arnold and Danny DeVito, which and, nobody, uh, nobody Tracy, fucking wanted, but still. Yeah, Tracy Morgan, I think, is playing the newest. I think, yeah, triplets. I, okay. But, uh, you know, I've been seeing a lot of, like, Arnold was very, he, he posted a very touching memorial, Dan Aykroyd. Like, this, this guy helped a lot of he influenced a lot of careers. He made some really awesome movies in his career. And uh, he scared the living shit out of me with evolution. So special place in my heart for Ivan Reitman. I think I, think I read he was a Holocaust survivor or World War II survivor. Really? Or his parents were. Yeah. I think I read that somewhere on one of the, when it was reported he, he had passed, they had mentioned like his parents escaped out of a, uh, out of their country when it was being invaded by Germany or something like that. He was involved in World War II as a kid somehow. Yeah, his um, both his parents were Jewish. His mother survived Auschwitz, and his father was an underground resistance fighter. God damn. I didn't know that. Wow. That's that's impressive. Jeez. Well, shit, I'm going to miss Ivan Reitman. I 
I really no, liked him. Really, He's a hell of a guy. Really, <laughs> it, to me, it kind of really tells you like why he was the way he was, as far as like a person in the movies he made. Um, that kind of told me everything. I was like, okay. Um, no, yeah, that, it it hurts. This guy is a he's. He's directed, you could argue, some of the best comedies of all time. Some of the most well-known, iconic comedies that he knew, especially, like, I'm, I'm going mostly for the Ghostbusters because it's my personal favorite, but he knew how to make very relatable characters and also not be afraid to do things outside of the comedy within the movies. Like, you know, Ghostbusters, yeah, it's funny as fuck, but it has some legit terrifying moments. Um. Obviously, like you would evolution, not necessarily me, so I didn't really think they were that scary. I know. But, you know, like the fact that he was willing to do that. And I think also because he would, he, some point out, he knew how to play the comedy straight. So it was funnier than it had any right to be. Like he knew how to play it very straight to the point where it was like funny because of that. And he was also very good at action sequences. I mean, you know, look at Ghostbusters, but also look at like Kindergarten Cop, which has some great action set pieces. The guy was kind of a renaissance man when it came to genre films. Yeah, I'm glad I love Kindergarten Cop so much. Kindergarten Cop is a masterpiece, and I will fight anyone who says otherwise. <laughs> I might watch that tonight just for kicks. I love Kindergarten Cop. Oh, dude. Schwarzenegger thought he met all his different challenges in the 80s, and then he had to deal with kindergartners, and was like, nope, this is the worst thing ever. <laughs> I read that he still keeps in touch with those kids. Really? Yeah, like they had a reunion a couple of years ago and he like he went to it and like saw all the kids grown up and they like hang out, hung out with them. Like he's given them advice over the years and stuff like that. Like he, he said that's his favorite movie he's ever done. That's awesome. Yeah. <sighs> it's not a tumor. I love when he freaks out about the bathroom. He's like, there is no bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, people yeah. do not talk enough about that one and Jingle All the Way when it comes to Schwarzenegger films. Those are both wonderful films. Yeah. Fight me down. on that any day of the week. Jingle <laughs> All the Way. <laughs> I love that movie to death. Uh, not a huge fan of Twins, but Kindergarten Cop and Jingle All the Way are fantastic. <laughs> well, damn. Goodbye, Ivan Reitman. Thank you so much for the work you gave us. We'll never stop watching it. Yep. Rest in peace. Glad you were he was able to see Ghostbusters Afterlife and at least see the fans embrace this uh, film so much again and bring on new fans. I'm very glad he got to see that. Yeah, I'm glad his he gave, you know, he, he passed the reins to his son. And I think, you know, I wonder if he knew he if I, cause of death hasn't been released yet, but I wonder if he, he, he had something and he knew he was on his way out and maybe, you know, making sure Ghostbusters was in a good place. I don't know. Mm. Well, let's get to our movies of the night or the day, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, let's start with Shudder's latest movie, They Live in the Gray. What'd you think? Did not like this one. So Shudder, I've noticed so far in the two months I've been going, you know, dedicating my life to watching their original films. Uh, they seem to have themes, and this theme has been like metaphors, horror films with fucking her amazingly deep fucking grief and trauma metaphors and this film is no different i watched this after seeing the curse which by the way is like an hour and 51 minutes keep this in mind this film was two hours long ah dude i remember watching it thinking i cannot wait to watch sexist chainsaw because i heard it was like less than an hour and a half actually i'm <laughs> like i need something that's lean and mean 
and just straight to the point. I'm tired of this fucking t- type of horror film today. Um, and yeah, this film, it's very much like, first off, the whole thing that went through my head was like six cents. God, this is playing out like six cents right now, except that was more entertaining. I don't know how you pull that off, Shyamalan, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, this film is about a social worker who is clairvoyant. Um, so can, she can see dead people, basically. Um, she has the gift. And she gets asked to do this case. And as she's investigating, it looks like there might be a paranormal type of thing involved. Um, the problem that starts to rise in this two-hour film is that she also has her own grief she's going through. At some point, I forget how she loses her son. Her son has died to her because of it. Her relationship with her husband is very fractured. Um, and it even starts out with her attempting to commit suicide and failing at it, or else, you know, we won't have the next two hours to watch a film. Um, the film focuses so heavily on her and her grief, and her having it through her drama, that it gets to the point where the plot line involving this family and what's going on with the daughter starts to feel lost in the shuffle. Um, it's almost like an afterthought, which causes two hours a two-hour film to really start to meander and drag and make me sit there going, what, how are you going to wrap all this up? Because you guys are really losing sight of the main plot. Um, to its credit, the scares, when it does have its scare moments, they do are generally, like, good fucking scares. Um, so I'll give them credit on there. But, again, because of their pacing and because of what they were losing focus on, when they weren't at the scares, it just makes them go, like, you guys can shave 30 minutes on, focus on some scares some more. You have a tight fucking film. So right now, the good shit is so spaced through, like, far out. Um, and then, you know, it's spoilers, because I, I don't recommend you watch this film anyway, so I'm just going to turn out the sense. Big, big plot twist is that it wasn't the ghost abusing this kid like we thought. Like, that was the angle they were going for. It wasn't even the dad. The mob's an abusive uh, woman. And that's the big twist. And the ghost was actually protecting the girl. Um Again, this happens after they actually wrap up the storyline involving our main character and her grief. And I remember someone going, are we going back to the, like this family at all? And they do, and they wrap that up just to then not even tell us what happens to the fucking gore. Literally, it ends where the mom successfully kills her husband and the ghost kills the mom. So the daughter is now no parents. The film does not bother to even give us a thorough line on what happens to her. He goes back to the, uh, the main character. She's talked to her husband finally about her gift that she hasn't told him throughout the whole fucking movie about and what she's doing to help people. And it ends right there. Shit. That doesn't sound very good. Nope. I gave it a four out of 10. Um, Ouch. Again, you know, I, it's sad because there was to me some genuinely fucking creepy moments when they went for the scares. Um, it was like one where like she's going out to throw trash away and you fucking see it before she does was just a dude standing there looking at her and and he's asking her like oh i need something to eat and you're thinking like oh it's just a hobo she's like i got nothing she runs inside and she's shutting doors and all of a sudden off in the distance you don't see him but you hear him go i asked you for something to fucking eat and he just fucking grabs her and pulls her off camera yeah yeah and you hear like the sound effects and everything and it's it was truly like horrific and I'm like, if you had more shit like this and you just shaved down the time and focused on that fucking main story, you would have had a really good film here. But you had a long, you went for two hours, you lost sight of the main story. 
These scenes were few and far between. So therefore, four out of ten. So somewhere along the line in the past five, six years, drama infected the horror genre. Like some horror started to take on drama qualities. And I feel like most of the films we get these days are just horror or just drama films wearing horror clothing. Like it's not real horror. You're just wearing the coat. Mm-hmm. Like you're not in the club, you're just wearing the colors, and I don't appreciate that shit. <laughs> yeah, I I made the comment on my video. I'm like, I really hope that next month Shutter releases some fun fucking horror films because, like, I mean, between Sot Face, all all the moons, and now this one, I'm like, God, Shutter, give me a fucking break on the heaviness this month. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, just that's why you know. Honestly, I never thought I'd say this, but thank God for Leatherface. He knows what he's doing. He's here to deliver. Yeah, I, I know we we're, we're going to talk about. I'm assuming next, yeah. but like literally watching this and like the curse and then this, I remember seeing a thing going. All right, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you are fucking deliver. You imagine I'm, if Texas Chainsaw ended up being like some retrospective about like how tortured Leatherface is as a human being, and he's like trying to get better, and he's like in an abusive family. <laughs> I would have been pissed. I've been like, I'm, I'm done. I'm so done. Thankfully, that wasn't the case. But thankfully the not. cursed. Yeah, thankfully it was one more shredder from this this month. So we'll see how that one goes. Good luck. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad I decided to kind of use you as my shredder conduit. So far, it feels like I've missed out on a lot of uh, time wasters. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You know what? They got Spine and Night coming out next month. You will be watching that one because I've been highly anticipating that one. Okay. If you've seen things like heavy metal or even heard of things like heavy metal or that movie you did recently with uh, Julie wizards. Yeah. Yes. Think along those lines. Of what okay. this will be. Hmm. All right. I get behind that. And it's not like shutters done like, you know, all shit. I mean, I, the stuff that I've seen, like, you know, when Josh made me watch psycho Gorman, I was on board with that. Like they're good. It's just lately. It seems like they're trying to appease, like they're trying to appeal to a, an audience that doesn't have shutter. Yeah, and also it's only February. I mean, you know, usually in the past I don't watch every single thing they put out because I'm like, oh, I'm good. But, you know, I would watch the stuff like Psycho Gorman or, you know, Vicious Fun and stuff that would come out that I hear a lot about and people praise. It's just more like this year I'm watching everything. And, again, it's early. I'm sure I've I've been hearing about a lot of stuff they've acquired that's coming out this month. They acquired the new Argento film. Yeah. Uh, to release this month, the dark glasses. I can't fucking wait to see that, knowing that information. So I think it's a make sure like we just there's a whole rest of the year that I'm sure we'll see other shit come out. And then also it's just I think as reflective of the times. I mean, it's just a type of horror film that like for some reason gets made the most nowadays. Like ever since A24 kind of came out with The Witch. I like The Witch. I like I like Hereditary. There's a couple of this stuff they've done I like, but admittedly ever since they kind of came out with their shit, it's been like the go-to for a lot of horror films and I call me fucking simple make fun of my text education all you will I like as we'll talk about here with Texas Chainsaw I, I I'm a fan of the lean mean just turn my brain off horror films a little bit more because I'm just going in to have a good time 
Yeah, it's got nothing to do with simplicity or education. I'm about to get a master's degree and I feel exactly the same way. Like, I don't need, I think it's really weird that The Witch and Hereditary were both really freaky, good horror films. And everything that's been made, like, in their name is completely missing the fucking mark. Like, yeah. like they didn't do that. But everything that is inspired by these films, I feel like it's a bunch of, you know, directors who don't want to admit they're making horror movies. That's, that's sometimes the case. I know, especially with, uh, I would say, Ari Aster, um, who's actually kind of made it known he wants to get out of the horror genre, and he's kind of getting tired of making horror films. I knew, um, he's, he's I knew that, he was a fucking liar. Yeah, he's, he's, he's made that kind of quite well known. Um, Eggers has been more open about, like, he doesn't care. He just likes making films, you know? He, he just likes making movies, so he doesn't care the genre. Um and he and to his credit, even the Northman, you know, he's been very upfront that it's not a horror film, it's more action epic. But you can still tell that this is a guy that very much has influences in horror when you see that trailer for the Northman. Like it's a dark fucking trailer. Yes, yes, it is. Well, you know, I last year I started being a little bit more careful about getting tricked by this shit. And uh, regrettably, I was tricked yet again with the cursed. Uh I didn't know anything about I'd never heard of this movie until you brought it up. So I'm blaming you for this. Well, I was curious on how this was going to play out anyway. So go fuck yourself. You told me to go see it. You told me to I, find I, it. No, I said, if you can, sure. I wasn't, I didn't force you at gun, but I was surprised when you even told me you saw it. Cause I thought I'll be the one that watches this. That's fine. I, I went by critic. I went by the critics. They're like, Oh, they're saying it's good. It was playing near my house. And I'm like, all right. And I fell asleep three times. This movie is boring as fuck. And it's just, it doesn't commit to either side. It doesn't want to be a drama. It doesn't want to be a horror movie. It doesn't want to be a, like a demon movie. It doesn't want to be a werewolf movie. It doesn't want to be a war movie that comes up. Yeah. Did, did you think the story was like presented weird? Because it felt so weird how they presented the story to me. Like I can't put my finger on it, but the execution of story development and everything was fucking off for me the whole time. Yeah, I kept thinking, like, why did we start this in World War One? Who, like, is, like, is the Romani thing going to come back into play? What's with the silver yeah, teeth? Like, why did, like, there was why, nothing why? connecting anything. It just yeah, kept when, Yeah, I was like, nothing was really connecting. And then it even, it didn't help with things like the fact that, like, I, I pointed out my real, like, supporting characters kind of pop in and out there's no clarity on like the relation to like that one kid to everyone else like that's never made clear i was like the main characters are fucking flat and dull as a board and i don't blame them because i watch yellowstone i know kelly riley is a fantastic actress it's yep. the goddamn writing i've seen logan i've seen you know boyd holbrook's a good actor but the material man like what pathologist that's just gonna you're just gonna work well with that yeah that was that was weird like i was yeah so it's like you add weird story execution care supporting characters that just talk been out of the story main characters that fall flat there's no development on them whatsoever um all made it to the whole time like you it's just made for a very dull experience in a weird i'm sitting there going why is this happening and then like it introduced, like I said, with the interest point characters, like the, the random people on the field that get attacked, I'm like, who the fuck are all these people? And why do I care? What bothered me the most is that why bring up the concept of silver bullets? 
if you've already proven you can kill these things with regular bullets. You've that killed two weird. of them with regular bullets. Why do the yeah. silver bullets matter? This was weird. I remember sitting there watching this movie going, you know, Connor made such a big deal, a little bit, not a big deal, but a little bit of a mention how dog soldiers played flat, fast and loose with werewolf mythology. I would argue that film doesn't. This film does. This film plays so fast and loose with the goddamn werewolf mythology. I just, if the rules are established, follow them. That's all I ask. Silver bullets, moon, you know, full moon. Like, that's all I want. I mean, you can play with the rules, but you better have, like, a good movie to back that up. That's why I let Dog Soldier slide. It's a good goddamn movie. That's true. Um, I was like, but this one, and then, like, since we mentioned it, in case anyone was wondering, yeah, there's werewolves. I know the trailer makes you think, what the fuck is in this movie? And I understand now why the trailers were the way they were. It's a fucking marketing, it's a fucking marketing ploy they use for these films. So I mentioned at the beginning of my review, every year, the festival circuit hits. A film gets praised or talked about a lot. It gets picked up. It gets thrown out into a viral distribution deal. Sometimes we get a Mandy out of it, but then sometimes we get this. And how they market this type of film is exactly what they did, which is the trailers make a whole lot of sense because they don't know how to fucking cobble this shit together. And they'll throw out the, the blurbs that were said during the festival and fucking slap it on there to get people to go. Like, oh, look, he said it's one of the best films of the year. Bam, put it on there in the trailer. It's February. There's no way you can fucking know that. <laughs> that bothers yeah. me a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I, I see what they were doing with marketing here. Um, but yes, there's roles in this film. All other shit you see has to do with like dreaming and curses and what the fuck's going on. But this is what bugged me about the roles. This is what I, I know you told me when we were texting. I agree with you. The concept of what they want to look like is cool. Problem is with this film, they CGI the shit out of that concept. They don't have the money for good CGI, so it looks like CGI. And then every werewolf attack, other than having no commitment to show these things on screen for a prolonged period of time, I noticed. Um, every werewolf attack scene in this film adopts a fucking shaky cam out of nowhere and blurs the screen. And I couldn't tell if there was like werewolf vision or what, but the screen, went, they, they, did you notice it was like a real blur effect? Yeah. Well, I was like, I can't tell what the fuck is happening right now. It was it was a lot of weird decisions, but it had it had some moments like when they um when they turned that one guy into a scarecrow. That was vicious. I I thought the gore and the atmosphere were the two best things in this film. Yeah. Um, I think it's weird that you know they keep referencing like a, what sounds like a better movie. With Boyd Holbrook's character, like losing his family in a werewolf attack the first time, and being you know this infamous incident that I everyone really, seems to know about. In my experience of watching more films, if, or any film, if they're ever mentioning something that sounds like that would be a really good story for a film, that usually means it probably was. But for some reason, we went with this story that sucks so much more. I like the idea of like. The 30 pieces of silver that Judas was given to, to betray Christ being a, a thing. But like, I did wonder, like, how did this random Romani clan come upon Judas's silver? <laughs> okay. And why are they melting it down to make teeth? Yeah. And then, like, what the fuck was going on with, like, the elders? Like, that was weird. I don't know what the fuck was going on with that. Like the, the lords that rule the town, I don't know. That was a weird thing that the film introduces. 
And then even the whole end, when they solve it, which led to the very unnecessary death of Kelly Riley, because she's a fucking idiot in this movie and just stands there in front of the goddamn wolf. <laughs> so he has to shoot, and he goes through her into him. And somehow the kid doesn't die with the biggest bullet I think I've seen for that time inside his chest. He just heals and goes back to living a normal life and dies because of that World War I scene. They remove it out of him. So the silver bullet can turn these things back into human beings. Boyd Holbrook knew this and killed two people. Yeah. And then said, you kids are going to live with me now. Like, what? What? (laughs) You have documentation? You've been in town three days? You killed this kid's family, and now you're going to take the children? 1800s, white man can do what he wants at that time. (laughs) I guess. Jesus Christ. Yeah, this movie was a dud. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know about you. I I also gave this 4 out of 10. There was very little about this film that I liked. I get it. I gave it points for atmosphere. Uh, creature design and concept I gave it a 6 but I might be being generous that might drop in the next few hours <laughs> yeah this I had one guy in the theater and almost when he got up to leave I almost wanted to be like so what do you think <laughs> it, it does feel like when it's just you and some other stranger you kind of want to be like was it me or like, <laughs> you like it <laughs> did you both just sit here hating the movie <laughs> yeah. Did you also feel like it was way longer than almost two hours? Because I was fucking. Like, I didn't re- my phone every five minutes. Like, oh my god! I didn't realize it was that it was going to be that long. I I started nodding off, and I uh, when I get <laughs> so when I catch myself falling asleep and I wake myself up, I tend to make a noise. It's kind of like a <laughs> and I know I made that noise in the theater. I'm just hoping it was during a werewolf roar and that other lady didn't hear me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I know. But thankfully, we had Uncharted, which uh, is the latest video game adaptation to be reviled by critics, but pretty accepted by fans. Uh, Frankly, I don't know what the critics are talking about. Like, what, What did you expect? Yes, it's an Indiana Jones knockoff. Yes, it's a Tomb Raider knockoff. It's what the game is. It's always been like that. It's not bringing anything new to the table. We get that. But it's fun. Yeah. And that was actually, when you were talking about, like, why I gave it a seven, that was one of the things, like, I didn't go as harsh on that as, like, crazy. Because even I was, like, crazy. You're being way too harsh on this. It's just a fun, you know, film. I did mention that, you know, the thing that made the game so special was that they took their influence and had you play it, right? So you got to play these moments you see in films all the time. And I just thought that, yes, to an extent, flipping that and having it be back to a movie format did hinder it a bit for me where I was like, well, I've seen this before in other films, blah, blah, blah. But again, like, I didn't go... So that was one of my, like, things I pointed out that held it back just a bit for me. But again, I still had way more fun than most of the critics did, apparently. Because I still walked away going, like, yeah, this kind of hinders it a bit for me, but I'm still having fun with it. I'm still enjoying the shit out of this movie. 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's that's too that's harsh. That's too low. Uh, I enjoyed this, and I even like if you've listened to this show going like you know for the past year, you know how much I was kind of riding this movie. 
I was very much like, you know, oh, Mark Wahlberg, really? Oh, this isn't going to work out. And Drake's too young. Like, why are they, you know, ignoring the game and shit like that? Well, I'm here to tell you, I was wrong. Tom Holland was great. Mark Wahlberg was great. The story was engaging. I was genuinely surprised. There were moments from the game that made me smile. And I had fun. I gave this an eight. Um, did you catch Nolan North's cameo? Oh, yeah. I pointed out to Josh because he didn't catch it. That was so cool. That was so cool. I, I did like the line when he's like, what happened to you guys? Oh, fell, fell off a plane in a car. <laughs> and Nolan North, huh. Happened to me before. I was like, yes. <laughs> Good luck. I knew the voice. I was like, I don't know that face, but I know that voice. That's Nathan Drake. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, that was neat. Yeah. Uh, I also gave this one a seven. Um, and look, for me, sevens are so good. Like, it's usually just like, that just means it's just a tad bit shy of like, oh my God, you know? Yeah. Um, like I said, it just, yes, for me, having the influences kind of get flipped back to the movie format. Did make it through. I was like, okay, well, I've seen this a thousand times before. But like I said, this film presented in such a fun, straightforward fashion that I was able to forgive a good chunk of it and just go, oh, well, they're having fun. They're clearly enjoying the shit out of this movie. So that helped a lot. I thought um, Holland and Wahlberg had very good chemistry. I was surprised. They worked really well together. They had great chemistry. I did. I look, I'm going to say it again. Fight me on this statement. If you think Tom Holland's Spider Man in this movie, that's a you problem, not a fucking Tom Holland problem. He is fantastic in this movie. I believed him as a young Nathan Drake. I am willing to, God bless, this film makes his damn money back somehow. And we get a sequel. I'm willing to follow him for future movies. If you if you sit there and say, like, oh, you just feel experiment, that's you. Okay, that's the same people that sit there and want to fucking accept Daniel Radcliffe outside of Harry Potter or Elijah Wood outside of Lord of the Rings. That's a you problem, not a fucking actor problem. I will say this. I did not realize Tom Holland was so goddamn ripped. Like, holy shit. He's got an eight pack. Wow. I was surprised. I was like, okay, Tom. Okay. Was that for Spider-Man or was that for Uncharted? All right for both. Let's just be honest for ourselves here. That was for him. That was, that was for Tom. <laughs> that was for Tom, not for the man. <laughs> <laughs> when you've got Marvel's personal trainers at beck and call, fucking use them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I would agree. Like him and Mark Rubble had great chemistry. This is our. This is the only two minor things I hold back from too. I really did like Mark Wahlberg in this movie, but he, at no point did he feel like solely to me. He just was Mark Wahlberg. I agree with you one hundred percent on that. Yeah, and again, it works in this movie. But again, I am someone that has. I know you have too. I've played all four games, so it was like not solely, but again, they got away with it because of their chemistry and how entertaining Mark Wahlberg was in the film. And considering he was actually originally cast as Nathan Drake years ago, the fact that he stuck with this project to now play this character, holy shit. Um, yeah. I, there was a moment of, there was a line of dialogue towards the end when the bad guy tells uh, Drake, say hi to your brother for me. And I immediately thought of Mark Wahlberg talks to animals. <laughs> say hi to your mother for me, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I did a, I know the error thing, and I'll say, I'll say a positive after this because I know it sounds like I'm kind of dogging on it. I just want to point out like the things I hold slightly back for me is all. Um, Antonio Banderas really liked him, so severely underutilized, in my opinion. Yeah, that was a bit of a shock. I didn't expect that. 
yeah, I was I was really on board. I'm, I'm look, I am all in on like Mandaris coming back to uh, all the cinema screens. Um, guys, always a great presence to have in films. He just he's awesome. So having Antonio as Antonio Mandaris as I was like fuck yeah. And then yeah, he gets kind of to me underutilized, and I was like, damn it. Honestly, I was just happy he got to play a Spaniard. <laughs> like he wasn't Greek, he wasn't French. He was he was from Spain. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> it was his actual ethnicity. Good. <laughs> um, I thought the post credits was cool. Uh, I don't know if you caught the the nods to the first game, but they're going after El Dorado. Yep, El Dorado. He had the mustache this time. I was like, oh, okay, that's what they're doing. Yeah, the mustache. Um, they they talked about Roman. They mentioned the Nazi map. They're going to yep. El Dorado. And I, and this is what I'll get to. I my positive that. So, Offset right all the things on slight negatives. I need to say that slight negatives in this case. I loved that you could tell along with them just wanted to make a fun movie. They got that they were clearly fans of the games, and there were yeah. so many Easter eggs placed throughout this, from the Nolan North camera we pointed out to ripping off, you know, ripping straight that scene from the third game that was in the trailer that actually played out really well in the movie, in my opinion. Yeah. To um, when he gets the gun and his shoulder strap towards the end. They start yeah. playing the music. And yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> that made me smile so hard. That was really cool. Uh, I don't, I laughed so hard at this with the trailer and then the movie. The fucking Scottish guy, <laughs> when, he, when he threatens Drake the first time and Drake has no fucking clue what he said. <laughs> I can't, I had to, I had to compose myself. That made me laugh so hard. Tom Holland's reaction that is really good. Just a, what? <laughs> and I love when he paused, he's like, wait, wait, wait. Seriously, I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna prob- I'm gonna buy this. I'm gonna watch this again. I really I like this. Yeah, no, I'm definitely I, I look overall. This continues the trend of like finally getting us getting good like adaptations of video games. Yeah. Um, and I did I did really like even though you know Banders kind of got like sidelines of villain like to their um to their credit. Um, Toddy Gabriel, who was um, I recognized from watching Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, she's in that she was in that show. Mm-hmm. She was a really good villain. So like it wasn't like we lost him and then yeah, I shouldn't be villain. She stepped up and was a really good villain. I enjoyed seeing her as a villain as well. I didn't I didn't know Chloe Fraser was going to be in the game. I mean in the movie. So I was excited to see her. I didn't know Chloe Fraser was going to be in the game. Yeah, I know she's in the game. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, first time I played it, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, uh, you're, you're going through like a second you're like holy shit she's in this <laughs> but I thought she her character was done very well I didn't expect to see her the whole Mark Wahlberg and the cat thing it's funny that was I like at the, the postcard scene he's like Mr. Riskers is with me he's like wait what Mr. Riskers in the backpack <laughs> so yeah I take him uh, with me everywhere I go now the line where, when they're looking for the keys in um, I think it was what Barcelona mm-hmm and Mark Wahlberg wanders into a Papa John's. He's like, I am literally in a Papa John's right now. I, I liked how they included the fact that, like, in in European cities that are so old, like, some, are, you know, ancient monuments and stuff are now just, like, a fucking Papa John's. <laughs> like, yeah. that, that happens when architecture is slim, when you can't add new buildings, you got to co-op old ones. And, you know, I've, I've been to a few European cities, and that is the fact. It's fucking sad, but I like this. This movie brought that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was good. I liked uh, when they're at 
Chloe's hotel, which that actress did wonderful. I told you, I, you know, I thought she fucking did a great job bringing that character to life. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like when he going back to like the cat joke when he's like, I had a guy on the app to check on my cat. He hasn't texted me back. Should I call or something? And then Tom I was like, I don't know what's cuter. You having a guy on the app take care of your cat or that you're keeping track of that. <laughs> <laughs> or that you said the phrase the man from the app. <laughs> But then, you know, like moments where Sully gives up the gold to to save Nate, like they felt genuine. And I like that. Like you felt the connection. And, you know, as a young, not quite there, you know, from Boston, Victor Sullivan, I'll I'll take Mark Wahlberg, I guess. (laughs) I am glad he's trying harder in movies to not always have his accent. Like, because they played the fucking Father Stew trailer for uh, before this film started, right? Because Mark Wahlberg's in that. And the fact that, you know, at one point in Transformers Age of Extinction, there was no way in hell that man was from Texas with his accent to him actually trying to do an accent now. I'm like, thank you, Mark. You're finally trying to do accents because holy shit, in Age of Extinction, it was bugging me. What, you you tell me that the scientist Cade Yeager, born and raised in Central Texas, doesn't have a Boston accent in real life. I can't get over the name Cade fucking Jaeger. <laughs> like, Michael uh, Bay, that name. Michael Bay came up with that name somehow. That Age of Extinction has, you know, fucking Mark Wahlberg is a Texas scientist. That weird Romeo and Juliet law subplot that does not need to be there. Like, that's which a weird hint, movie. Yeah, which hint, hint at, you know, Michael Bay people, but somehow he's escaped all this controversy. Yeah, apparently Michael Bay is a grass on the field kind of guy. <laughs> Who knew? Everybody. <laughs> anyway, Uncharted was really good. Yeah, Uncharted. I, I look. I know it sounds like I gave it some negative little, but those are minor. Overall, I really enjoyed the show. This film. So yeah, Sunshine, but did enjoy the shit out of it. We'll definitely, like you said, buy it and watch it again. Yep, eight for me. I hope it makes its money back. I want to see more. Yeah, I'm down to I'm down to go down this path because as far as I know right now, we're not getting an Uncharted game, and if we do, I don't think it's gonna be Nathan Drake based off how four ends. Um, so we'll get a game. We'll get it'll be like Drake's daughter or something. Like we'll get another Uncharted game. Yeah, but until then, I'll I'll take this movie franchise. I mean, we're not getting fucking Indiana Jones ever. Apparently, it just keeps getting delayed by a year. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I I've got my trilogy. I've got my four. When I feel like you know getting drunk and being like what the fuck did they do but and so i'm okay <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's like let's go ahead and just do this and have some new blood in it why not between this and the tomb raider uh film we got recently i'm like just do these two and i'll be fine i wonder how they're gonna do like if they do uncharted 2 i mean it is gonna be the exact plot of the tomb raider movie so i wonder if they're gonna tweak it probably i mean they kind of tweak a lot of this stuff, because like I said, they were pulling from other games, because technically Sam doesn't show up, or is really that talked about until the fourth game, so. I don't think he's ever mentioned. Like, this was pretty much like, this was the fourth game for the most part, with with a few with, with the third game's backstory. But even that was tweaked, because in the third game, Sully picks him up as a kid and raises him. I was like, the whole point of the relationship was this one. Yeah. Sully was with his brother Sam, and then that's how he connects to him. Well, and Drake, you know, stole the ring as a kid from the Sir Francis Drake exhibit at the museum and, like, was trying to figure that out his whole life. And this was just, like, Sam gave him the ring. Yeah. That was a little 
anticlimactic, but you know, it's two different universes. Yeah. And the fact that they're at least like, I have no issues. It's just like when they do the book, you know, book to movie adaptations or comic books, but like they're going to change shit. So it's like, yeah. obviously it's not going to be the same. I'm okay with it. I don't want to watch the exact same thing I played. I'm okay with them flipping around. Just obviously like having played games, I just know how it, the difference is because I played them. That's, that's, that's really it. Do you feel the same way when it comes to adapting books? Yeah. Cause like at the end of the day, like they're two different formats, right? Like, Things that might work in books a certain way may not translate as well to the screen. Mm-hmm. So, like, if it makes sense the story you're trying to tell movie-wise, I'm cool with it. If it makes sense. All right. I'm more of a purist. I'm more of a the story's there, so use it kind of guy. I know. You, you, so why you're disappointed so many times. Yeah, I'll own that. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. <laughs> That's a depressing segue. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the big fish of the weekend uh, for us, anyway. Uh, One could argue for everyone. Like this was the film I heard about more than Uncharted from everyone. That's true. Like, um, Leatherface had some fucking staying power because everyone was like Texas Chainsaw Massacre this weekend. <laughs> We've yeah we so if you've been following the shows for the past week uh, we've been in Leatherface mode. We did the the remake from 03 on the Film Gas and Podcast last week. We did Next Generation on Beyond the Bed. That was a blast. I'm I'm completing my collection finally. I just got uh 2017's Leatherface in the mail and an upgraded copy of the original film. I'm getting Texas Chainsaw tomorrow, so I'll have a complete collection. So yeah, I'm on deep this week. I own all the Texas Chainsaw movies I planned to own. <laughs> so I'm I'm sad. Um and this what you know, I looked at the Rotten Tomatoes reviews and was like 37. God damn it. Before I watched it. I looked at them yesterday and I'm like, shit. <laughs> and then I watched it and I'm like, you know what? Fuck them. Like this, this is exactly what I wanted. This is the return of Leatherface. It's a it's supposed to be a direct sequel to the first film. And uh Jesus, I mean, is this maybe the the grisliest of the of the franchise? It's up there. I would have to watch the beginning again because that one got really brutal, but it's fucking up there. Like, and this is the type of chainsaw that I like personally. Like, I like grisly, brutal, in your face, fucking leather face. Like, there's something about this franchise that just lends itself to that. And I understand that the original film was actually like you see no blood. But I'm just, I'm just, that's just, the, it's my preference for when I get a, a new TCM movie. It's like, I want that gore. I want that brutality. Well, I mean, call me crazy, but I expect a massacre in my Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. And I, would, I got my massacre. I was like, hey, this is the only one now. Ninth film in, the only one that gave us a massacre. That's fucking sad. <laughs> that's depressing. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess, you know, they knew what we wanted they knew the expectations they knew the legacy and jesus christ i mean this was violent this was vicious and as i said before we recorded i believe leatherface for the first time in the entire franchise was completely justified in fucking up these kids (laughs) they strolled into town bought his town and killed his mom (laughs) i would do exactly the same thing oh yeah oh yeah well, I, I even like the, the, the lead up to all this. Um, 
I know we're about to get into like actually going beat by beat here, but I like I like the lead up to this without like how they introduce these kids, and immediately with like the introducing your stereotypical Texan, the big diesel truck, open carry, <laughs> and they just rub them the wrong way. And to me, it was like, okay, so like, let's just go and get this by the way. A lot of people online are bitching and moaning about this being a woke Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. Look, the original film very much touched on themes of, you know, us versus them and what happens when you go into into something you shouldn't be going into. And the it's a Vietnam movie. Yeah, it's a Vietnam movie. And this film, to me, was just doing that again, except in 2022. And mm-hmm. look, as someone who's been... I've, you know, I know I haven't lived in Texas for a while, but as someone who was born and raised in that state, and you currently still live there, they, they have had an issue with, like, not trying to be dick to the Cal- any Californian fans, but Californians moving like crazy into Texas and trying to force that, like, style, that lifestyle, onto Texans, which is pissing them off. Well, I'll tell you what. I 100% agree with that sentiment. And it's it's fun to watch kind of a fantasy of, you know, something that would make them stop coming here. <laughs> like, yeah. If this really happened, that migration would oh. cease immediately. Oh, really? We need to stay the fuck out of this state. <laughs> it's uh, oh. but I also think, you know, making the, one of the characters, a school shooting survivor was interesting. I mean, there are a significant amount of people in this country who are school shooting survivors, regrettably. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, using that as a way to kind of reinforce her character and her hatred of, of guns, like that makes sense to me. And mm-hmm. uh, the two, the, the dude and like his friend buy in a town to like create like a, like a Soto Sopa kind of thing in the middle of Texas was, was an odd choice. I guess they just wanted us to hate them a lot. Yeah, probably. I think they really were driving home, home that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't even have the deed. He was just like, this is probably my house, so get the fuck out. Yeah, like, because even before that, like, his interaction with the dude at the gas station, Yeah, like, even I was like, dude, I'd be kind of pissed at you if I was that guy in the truck. I'd be like, what the fuck you just say to me? Like, I was like, from there, uh, even before the cops kind of talked to them, you could tell there was like, ah, shit, it's the Texas cops. You know, like, from the get-go, they're just expressing how much they just view this small town lifestyle and in texas and you know for anyone who hasn't been been in texas like a lot of the state is still like that there's still a lot of small towns like harlow out there to this day in 2022 um and then yeah when they get there and the and then they see the fucking confederate flag still hanging which like i get the anger but again realize where the fuck you're at um well they were the weird thing is they treated it like such a shock like oh my god there's a confederate flag in a small Texas town that's been dead for 40 years. Wow. What a surprise. I'm surprised yeah. there's not a clan meeting going on in broad daylight in town square. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I did and I I did like when they they see that after they find out that the guy they pissed off at the gas station is the guy they called to be the contractor <laughs> and has to work for them. And Lo and behold, turns out to be actually a really nice dude. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, and then yeah, we get to that part where he gets to the house and they just kind of walks in there. And as we kind of learn later, they don't have the deed. They were wrong. That was 100 percent her house still. 
she had the title the whole time. And, you know, they, he, you know, they try to force her out. And then, you know, I, I want to say he kind of started up the race card at first, like. Yeah. Well, no, she, she says, um, I don't have any problem with. Yeah. And then yeah. he's like, fuck this. And she's like, what's your language boy. And so, yeah, she starts, she starts that shit. She did. But again, kind of like the, when you said about the Confederate flag, you walked into a dead town in Texas, small town, in Texas with the oldest lady there. What the fuck you think's gonna come out of her mouth? Like, I'm not trying. I'm not just finding what she said, but I'm just saying, like, context. People, this is what I'm talking about the whole time. Of fucking context. Like, question: Where was this mom in the first movie? So I don't. What I got is that after the events of the first film, what I understand is that he, because of the whole postcard scene, he wandered away from the house to go into hiding and end up in this town. And found his way to her orphanage, and from there, that's where the mom role kind of started to take place. Okay, all right, I'll buy that. That's, yeah, that's how I inferred it. What I, what you know, what I did like was that, like, and it's it's kind of subtle when they piss her off, and you fucking. I remember I freaked. I was watching this on my couch, right when like the camera pans and Leatherface is just standing at the top of the stairs, staring down. I remember going, "Oh my god, it's fucking Leatherface." Like, oh, but what I love is that they have that moment. And then when the cops come to get her after, you know, they kill her theoretically, I guess. Um, and they make the comment, oh, that's just a boy. I'm like, so they know about him. Like the cops are fucking aware of him. Oh, they don't know what he did, but they're really I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just a boy, whatever. Yeah, because it's there's a you know Larroquette's narration at the beginning implies that after that event in '74, no one ever saw Leatherface again. And you know where did he go? Again, they they really just you know shy away from the cannibal aspect of this. I wonder why the, the franchise decided to abandon that. It's really weird, like because there's other movies like Wrong Turn never shied away from that. Hell, Wrong Turn never shied away from the incest plotline at all. Like Jesus. Um... Well, I always thought Leatherface was the product of incest. He just feels like he would be. I never, I maybe, but they, I never really felt like there was like an incest plotline in these films. It's the cannibal thing that, yeah, they, they hide away from. I don't know if it was like an MPA thing in the early years of the franchise that they just got to point they're like, just don't fucking explicitly point in there because we're tired of dealing with it. Well, those dog dicks can lick my plate. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> throwing it back i um yeah when leatherface loses mom and he just goes completely apeshit he goes ballistic it's like okay we've never seen leatherface on a vengeance kick before <laughs> and this is a this is a, a special kind of brutal <laughs> oh yeah this is a pissed off leatherface like he lost his family in the first one apparently as we're kind of inferring from this right so all he had was this lady watching over him and you could tell she kept him at bay because remember when he's at the top of the stairs, remember she was like, no, no, it's okay, hon. It's all it's all good. Like, you could tell she knows exactly what he's capable of and probably what who he is. But she knew how to keep him under control and not have him go on these rampages and try to kill, you know, do that to people. And, yeah, once he lost her, it's like it came back. 
<laughs> he was raised. And this is where I have to give so much credit. Again, you know, I talked about with Halloween and, you know, these actors that to me get no credit for the work they do and making us terrify someone without talking. And I think it's Mark Burnham, I believe, is the actor saying that plays Letterface yeah. this time. Bravo, sir. Like, <laughs> same thing here. He brought so much, like, me emotional depth to this fucking character that I wasn't expecting without saying a fucking word. All in his movements and everything. Yeah. I mean, Christ, just from the get-go, when he grabs that cop's arm and breaks it and stabs him with his broken bone in the throat. Right there, I'm like, that's our first kill? Jesus Christ, where's he going to go from here? And that was just, my, my Lord, man. Um, yeah, I, I, that whole sequence was great. Like, after the crash, and she's sucking like, the seat, and they just keep showing you what she can see in the road view. And it's her face chopping up his mom's face off to wear, wear it. Oh, man. <laughs> Dude, when he comes in and just beats the fuck out of that cop with the oxygen tank and then goes back to what he was doing. <laughs> this is not, this definitely, this took some cues from Halloween 2018 because I can, there was a, a similar way they that michael and leatherface moved in these movies I, I, they felt similar to me like the, the, was, the strength you can feel the strength in both these guys yeah there was definitely cues being taken um and that's not a negative that's just something i noticed yeah no i mean you could definitely and you know as far as like what did they copy or not i really don't know this one was, had such a short production that it's hard to tell like if they did copy or if this was always their intent you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but regardless, I'm like you. It's not. I, I like. I like. I like this interpretation of these characters because they're making them terrifying for me again. Like I wouldn't want to get fucked with this Michael Myers. I would not want to be in the way of this fucking Leatherface. Um, <laughs> we'll, as we move along here, we'll get to some of these kills that he does. I'm just like, yeah, fuck. I don't want to be part of this. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when Face, as I'm going to call him, shorthand, goes goes back home. <laughs> to get his equipment and uh, fucks up Dante <laughs> with a cleaver. I love, I love how that was shot with like the door swinging open and you yeah. just keep seeing bits and pieces of it. But he survived that enough to walk outside. I, I can't imagine the pain. Jesus. Oh and then God, they show it and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> Mel being stuck under the bed and when Leatherface goes to get the the chainsaw that he's had in the wall for 40 years and he pulls it like six times and it immediately starts back up. No gas refill, nothing. Just a 40 year old cold chainsaw right up. It we were worked. talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> Motherface, this is, he has the most magical chainsaw I've seen. And actually I, I found out in Blade Disgusting, Freddy Alvarez revealed that there are scenes in the film featuring the very original chainsaw Wow, how'd they find that? Someone gave it to them. I forgot you own it, but they gave it to them to use for the movie. And they said they only use it for scenes that you see like sitting. So like they were like, there was no way no we're trying to turn that thing on and use it and break it. That would suck. <laughs> <laughs> I think it should be in a museum. Oh, that's really cool. But Leatherface's talent with a chainsaw. You remember in Back to the Future? You've seen the Back to the Future films, right? No, I've seen all three. Remember right two? You remember in part two when old Biff goes back to the 50s and is in Biff's car and Biff's like, get the hell out of my car, old man. And yeah. 
he turns it on and Biff's like, wait, nobody can start this car but me. Reminded me of Leatherface and his chainsaw. It's like, I got the magic touch. No one can start this thing but me. Only me. He almost, like, at first he was, like, struggling there because that's when the guy, you know, finds a dude with a cleaved up face and goes to investigate uh, the Texan dude. And you're like, oh, shit, is, is what's going to happen? Is he going to started? And that was a fucking awesome sequence when, like, he comes up and that chick smartly moves the mirror because Leatherface is hiding behind the door. And he sees him just in time for Leatherface to come out and attempt to kill him, which, I mean, he ultimately does. And holy fuck, Leatherface, like, when they showed the leg get bent all the way, all the other way, I was like, oh! When he just comes down on that guy's head with the, with the hammer. I mean, constantly. He doesn't need the chainsaw. Just go after these fucks with a hammer and you'll get every one of them. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Oh, yeah, that was vicious. <laughs> uh, and from there, he goes after that fucking bus. Well, before that, the chick has to get out of the house. Yes. Remember oh. the one under the bed? So, mm-hmm. yeah, that which led to a kill that made me go, what the fuck? Like, holy shit. I'm not killed by, like, a hit. But when she's, like, getting out from her bed and she goes over the stairs, you're like, oh, she's going to make it. She's going to make it. And then she gets there and Leatherface is fucking standing there just looking at her. <laughs> and he throws the hammer and hits her in the stomach through a fucking floor. I was, I remember watching it going, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. When Leatherface goes through the floor of his own house. And again, I'm thinking, like, this, this boy has no pride in his home. <laughs> Get no pride in your home. See this door? You see what he did to this door? <laughs> this guy, he doesn't care. He's not paying the mortgage. He doesn't give a fuck. It's not his, it's not his problem. <laughs> There is live meat running around, and he's going to get it. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was overkill for Mel to take a septic tank tube to the face. Oh, yeah, that was gross. Like, why? I like how that's overkill. Not the fact that Leatherface, upon seeing her at the stairs, without hesitation, chunks a hammer squarely into her chest and flings her into the fucking floor. I will watch Leatherface rip people in half with a chainsaw all day, but I don't want to see him take a shit on anybody. <laughs> I don't think that's an unreasonable request. <laughs> he was adamant about getting her through there on the floor. Like he was coming. I was like, oh shit, she's about to get fucking taken out here. And no, the septic tank saves her. And look, in reality, because now we're getting to the part where she does, they finally get onto the bus. Yeah. Um, in reality, if you took just took a whole septic tank to the fucking body, no oh. amount of rain is going to wipe away the stench the moment you get on that bus. I would just let Leatherface kill me at that point. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to live like this. Just get me, man. You're going to smell to high heaven. And no one on that bus can be like, oh, hey. They're going to be like, dude, who smells like shit? Oh, oh boy. Yeah, so that's gross. Um, they get on the bus. Leatherface fucks up the bus driver. Love that. Just throws his head through the, through the, through the window. <laughs> Don't even see it happen. I love I love the sound effects in this movie. Like you can hear his chainsaw in the background, but you don't see him. And then like yeah, he they she chunks the fucking head. And as she's seeing it, they do that shot we see through the window, and yeah. you see his ass walking through it, like getting ready to get on the bus. And because the whole time, like close the door, close the <laughs> fucking door. I think it's crazy Leatherface can sneak up on people with a loud as fuck 40-year-old chainsaw. <laughs> that's, 
it's impressive. Sixties, seventies, however old he is, like the man has skill. Well, it's all that Illuminati training. God damn it. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. We, uh, we get the bus scene and then the line that caused the internet to fucking lose its collective mind in good and bad ways. The guy holds his phone up. Everyone holds the phone up and says the immortal line, which I still argue is not nearly as bad as do your thing because um, do anything and we'll cancel you, bro. Yeah, I love that the immediate reaction of these people to a bloodied, chainsaw-wielding maniac wearing a human being's face is to immediately get out their phone and start live streaming it. And the reason this part did not bug me like some it did some people is because again, that's to me the social commentary working and saying, like, look, this is what's because so many people are obsessed with their phones and getting everything on camera, and especially like again, you know, taking that. To me, this film, more than any of the ones, really looked at city versus country people big time. Um, and city people kind of encroaching on country people's way of life and assuming that they're a certain type of way because they are simple-minded, right? And they aren't in the city. Um, so to me, if anything, it worked in that regard. One, because it just kind of goes with the theme the film's already exploring and how people are nowadays anyway. And two, it had payoff because as soon as like, he says that line, Leatherface, no fucks given, revs up that chainsaw, holding it up, and you show the guy go, oh fuck. And he goes to town. We get in the ninth poem in the franchise, the first official massacre, folks. It took nine films to get a Texas chainsaw massacre. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, but he just, oh my God, he goes to, he goes insane on these guys. It's a bloodbath. You can see on their phones, people are like, that looks fake. <laughs> so I love there's one guy who's like, that looks awesome. When can I do this? Yeah. Like it's some escape room shit. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're watching him like get one guy in the, uh, in the stomach and walking towards that one chicken in the corner to get her. <laughs> Dude, when Leatherface is just picking up limbs and like throwing them out of his way. <laughs> That one lady tries to go through the window and he just gets her in half. Oh, yeah, that was fucking great. So I thought, like, go out the front. At this point, just run out the front door <laughs> that you never closed. <laughs> These idiots deserved it. They're a uh, bunch of millennial assholes. Yes. And this... I never thought I'd be rooting for Leatherface in any situation. Oh. Yeah, I was, I was like, look, if you're trying to make a comment on, like, the assholes nowadays, like, I'm all in, because it was so satisfying to watch the Leatherface fuck them up. And this is also the part where we learn that Doors, he still hates, because we have our two main characters, our sisters, hiding in the bathroom. They, you know, they see the fucking um, sunroof to get out, and Leatherface, being smart, starts chainsawing through the fucking door. Therefore, continuing the proven theory that there is no door tough enough Two stop Leatherface. I just pictured like a like Leatherface after he's killed all his enemies and is like done, starts like a chainsaw business where he's like selling chainsaws. And he comes on TV and he's like, Are you tired of your chainsaw not being able to cut through a simple door? Well, come on down <laughs> to like, you know, Hewitt Tools or some shit like that, where I got the best chainsaws in Texas. Guaranteed, cut down any door. Or your money back. 
Oh boy. Oh god. <laughs> uh, so around this point, um, uh, oh, fuck, Sally, right? Yep, Sally comes okay. around this point. We've seen her. She has like a scene where like that gas station owner calls her because you hear about on the radio what's going on down there, and um, calls her, and you know, she gets in her truck and heads out, and we get some scenes from her get there. This is, I think, the first time she pops up actually in the town. Yeah. And she's uh, she's pretty cold. She locks the two girls in a back seat and says, like, I'm going to finish this. You just wait. And they're like, get us the fuck out of here. Yeah, right. <laughs> We've established doors don't stop Leatherface. So, yeah, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> and she gets fucked up so fast. <laughs> oh, yeah. I look. Again, another contentious point for uh, fans online. I liked it. I liked that they weren't going the Lori Strode route and kind of, honestly, kind of prolonging it now that we're getting Halloween ends and it's become a bigger thing than we initially anticipated with the David Gordon Green trilogy. Yeah. Um, I like how they were just straight up like, look, this is almost like her folly. She won't let it go. She decided to go digging into this, and now she's no longer the only survivor. Now she's dead. Yeah, she had so many opportunities to put him in the ground, and she didn't take it. No, of course, he Leatherface could take some some shells though. <laughs> he took a shell. He got stabbed, and his response was to take his chainsaw and to go right into her stomach and start lifting her up into the air with it on. And she survived that long enough to shoot him a couple more times. Yeah, <laughs> he threw her into the trash after. Yeah, that's. That's a hell. I wonder if fans right into that. <laughs> like, I'm sure some did. There's yeah. probably some online bitching. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. Um, all right. What, where do we go this next? Is, this is when uh, she gives... Um, oh, no. They, they try to run him over in the car because she handed him the keys before this. Yeah. But he maneuvers out of the way enough and I guess hits with the chainsaw enough for them, them to crash. The fucking car, of course. Um, the sister that was in the school shooting gets out of the car, the other one's stuck in the car. It's about to get killed by Leatherface because when Leatherface pops up for an hour, like stuck in your car, death. Um, but <laughs> yeah. then school shooting gore, I forget her name, uh, pops mm. up behind with that gun. Uh, it was, the older sister was Mel. She was, ah, uh, shit. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't know, but she pops up behind him with the gun that she uh, saw Richter had earlier. Yes. And it doesn't, nothing happens because it wasn't loaded. Yeah, because yeah, there's that whole scene when she asks, is it loaded? And he literally in front of her unloaded the gun. <laughs> Lila, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. I think. Yeah. Sure. Which then he leads, which I love when that happened. Leatherface's reaction time was like the most amazing thing ever. Like, he looks at her long enough to see it doesn't work and just starts bolting towards her. <laughs> He's got some agility for a beefy, like, 70-year-old maniac. Yeah. Oh, uh, I also, like, before this went down, before we get to the... Because the next thing is when they get into, like, the, uh, I think, the theater and all that stuff, because Sally gives her the shotgun, they get into the old-time theater. But I forgot about the part when Sally goes up into the house and sees the face sitting on the bed, and I loved it. I fucking loved it because it felt like they weren't doing to me what Halloween 2018 did, which was they said, like, no, he's not related, but they're so central to each other. You know what I mean? Like, they're connected. They need each other, that kind of thing. Right. Like, they still kind of walk back on it a bit. 
Whereas in this one, they had that scene where she goes up and sees him on the bed and she's like, say my name. And she realizes there, he doesn't fucking remember her. Like, he doesn't give a shit. He's like... He was just more meat. He has no... He doesn't remember names. He doesn't remember faces. They're, they're not even people there. Yeah, it's just meat. Yeah, he probably got away, but I'm still here, so fuck off. I gotta go take care of those two outside now. And he goes outside. Like, he legit is like... Oh, and just goes outside. I was like, holy shit. Okay, movie. Yeah. No, wait, uh, see, that's how you um, uh, kind of, uh, what's the word? Uh, it almost. Uh, like, sw- screw with your audience's expectations. That yeah. Kind of yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't walk back on it. It's not like they didn't turn us out. They're connected. No, they then, like I said, we had that whole scene where she tried to fight him, but she horrifically loses. So I personally really appreciated the ballsy approach to that. Um, that was that was impressive. Yeah. Again, like, look, I get it. It's a it's a sacred character, but she's gonna die eventually. I mean, the main act, the actress playing her, unfortunately, has passed away for Christ's sakes. Yeah. Um, there was a scene where Leatherface just hurled his chainsaw at Lila's legs and like tripped her up, and she was just like fine. That was this scene, the the theater scene we're getting yeah. to. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Like that was odd. <laughs> like he, he just got he up and walked knew, away. He knew how to use that thing as like a much more effective weapon than like any of the prior sequels. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah, he fucking hold that, and then he tricked her with it because he had that scene where like he had it revved up, sitting on the ground, and she finds it. And she's like, oh shit, and it turns off, and he fucking lunges out of the side of her i was like holy shit like he got her into the water and she comes out and yeah and then mel shows up with the shotgun takes down leatherface a couple shots and uh yeah she gets the chainsaw and hits him in the fucking head with it i thought he was i thought she was gonna get him in the gut like he got sally but then we wouldn't have leatherface anymore no we won't get any potential sequels um, it's funny. I was those this one of your I was watching that. Like one of the things he didn't like about the film was how smart they made Leatherface, and how he can lay traps and stuff. And I was like, to me, it made sense. Like think about it. Like this one's always been about family, right? This ultimately this series, as fucked up as it has been, has been about a demented take on family. Yeah. Eat your heart they, out, Vin Diesel. This is the original family franchise. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Leatherface lost his family. He continues to have no pride in his home. Let's not let that be forgotten. Um, lost his family. He's 40 years older, like, and all he had was the slave that was a surrogate mother. I would think he got a little bit smarter and knew what he was doing because he had to start relying on himself more to get things done as opposed to just being an enforcer or bullied around by his family. So it become more like, okay, now I got to start doing it if I want to keep going. So to me, it made sense that he was smarter. Like he probably learned some some things. I love that his family didn't like die or like anything. He just literally like probably wandered into the wrong town and didn't know how to go back. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happened. And then he, because he didn't have a, his fucking face on there, like I don't know where he's at. He just not he's not wearing his usual face. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Dude, the end when he when they're they're getting in the car and they're on their way back and they make a joke, he just fucking shows up out of nowhere, drags Mel out of the car and cuts her head off in full view. How did they do that? Like I want to know. That was beautiful to me. That was yeah. 
amazing. If that was CGI, that was seamless. That like, was that whole sequence. Like you're thinking, even I fell for it, and I sure am because they do this shit. And this franchise is famous for doing this shit. Yeah. And like I fell for it, like oh shit, they really got away. That's probably going to be because someone had told me like, hey, make like just so you know, stay for a postgres scene. So I thought. Oh, it's going in here, and the postcard will be that he survives, and we get the sequel. Chainsaw comes and, out of the water, like something like that. Yeah, yeah, like something like that. But when they did that, and they make that joke, we're like, I forget what the, it was a joke. It was a callback earlier to the film. And I was yeah. like, ha ha, okay. And what I really liked about this whole thing was like the twistedness of having the autopilot be like the punchline. Like it's not stopping; it's just going. Where she has to see this at three miles per fucking hour. <laughs> That was like a nice little like twisted like again to me kind of home back to like how Toby Hooper envisioned the first one being like a black comedy. Yeah, here's your black comedy there, and this one like that nice little twist there, um, the punchline really. But yeah, when, um, so brutal. Yeah, like you're you get lulled, you really do, and all of a sudden like you don't even see it, you just see her get fucking grabbed and hauled out the goddamn car, and all of a sudden like, why were you going three miles per hour? Like you should up that speed. Um, <laughs> But uh, just grabs her and fucking with one hand holding her and his fucking magical chainsaw saws her head off as her sister is looking through the sunroof, screaming her head off in full view. And he's staring at her after that head comes off. There's a full on eye contact stare. He may not have remembered Sally, but he's going to remember her. And there was, you know, then he starts swinging his saw around like a fucking maniac. It's like his signature move. <laughs> oh, yep. this was great. And then we get the post-credit scene after yep. the credits real quick where he, uh, he, a nice little thing for the fans. He goes to his home. He goes to the OG Texas Chainsaw House. Except, you know, obviously replicated for the movie because as you and me know, and I'm sure most people know, fans know, the actual house is currently located in Kingsland, Texas and it's a restaurant. That's a pretty good restaurant. And it's a pretty good restaurant, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, he, go, he goes to his home theoretically for potential future sequels if this becomes a huge hit on Netflix. Well, I, I hope it does. Um, I want to see, like, who else survived? You know, have they been in that house this whole time, just waiting for Junior to come home? Because <laughs> they didn't know how to cut the meat? He took their only chainsaw? As soon as I want to say Bubba, because it's Texas Chainsaw to you, it's just Bill Mosley. Bubba, you're back! <laughs> Bubba. I refuse to call him Bubba. <laughs> I can't take him seriously if his name's Bubba. Nope. Calling him Bubba. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll take, I like Thomas Hewitt. I like, that made sense to me. Bubba, I can't, I can't back that. I think one of the movies he's like called Jeb or some oh, shit like that. Of course he fucking is. <laughs> Jeb. Yeah. So they just pick like every, like, you know, less than intelligent Southern na- like stereotype name for him every few movies. Yeah, of course. I, I gave this an eight. I thought this was very good. I'm looking forward to another one. Yeah, I gave it an eight as well. Like, look, I don't know what people online were like expecting. This was a streamlined, lean, mean, brutal fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I enjoyed the living hell of it. I am so glad I ended up being wrong. I really, really am. And that Netflix delivered on this one. 
that Alvarez and all, all involved delivered on this movie. Eight out of ten for me. Yeah. Watch, they're going to be like, you know, Fede Alvarez sequel greenlit, and it's going to be Don't Breathe 3. No, he, yeah, he's, he's going to be, all right, guys, Evil Dead 2, TCM 2, Don't Breathe 3. And everyone's going to be like, Evil Dead 3 and or TCM 2. He's going to be like, cool, Don't Breathe 3. Dude, Don't Breathe 3 isn't even going to be part of the vote. It's going to be TCM 2 or Evil Dead 2, and Don't Breathe 3 is still going to win. <laughs> <laughs> he really wants to throw people for a loop a sequel to his whole like the gore and the the gore with the and the spiders whatever the fuck movie he did oh yeah if he really wants to throw people off like TCM2 he would do it too no you guys want a new uh, dragon gore sequel got it <laughs> well this was good thanks for every, uh, listening everybody if you like the show feel free to follow us on our socials Facebook, Instagram and Twitter Filmgasm Productions uh, you can always hit us up there for suggestions or feedback, uh, or you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com or, you know, whatever you want to do. Uh, if you want to support the show on Anchor, you can click on support this podcast on your preferred podcast provider. We appreciate anything. And as always, check out the website, filmgasm.com, where we've got all of our shit all the time. Uh, next week, we've got a horror double feature to look forward to. On Hulu, we've got No Exit, which looks promising. And in theaters, we've got Studio 666, the Foo Fighters Haunted House movie, which looks ridiculous in the best way. Uh, Tune in next week to hear our thoughts. Don't miss the debut episode of Austin's Brothers, Adam and Jeremy, on Wednesday's Filmgasm with D2, The Mighty Ducks. Eli Roth's Death uh, Death Wish remake on Friday's Beyond the Bad. And Spike Lee's masterpiece, Do the Right Thing, on Oscar Sunday. Have a great week. Keep watching movies.